Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Fans and welcome into the Wednesday, September the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it is football season, as a matter of fact, and it is crossover Wednesday. We're going to welcome in the host of the Locked On Ravens podcast, plus it wouldn't be a day in Dolphin land without some type of roster move. The 13th move since cutdown day on Saturday will reassess where this team is at, and I'll unveil my 2019 NFL predictions. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That's how we get on top 200 on iTunes, and that helps the podcast immensely. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, and that is voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at LockedOnFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the written blog, the written content, tons of stuff for you guys up there this week. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On Ravens podcast for all the local coverage of your favorite teams. Before we get into it, the opening week of the NFL is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mark Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. And with that, let's go ahead and get into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. Another day, another player that fans like is now gone as the Dolphins cut starting defensive end or outside linebacker or pretty much all over the defensive formation player in Nate Orchard and they add a linebacker, local boy James Crawford. And really, I talked about this on Twitter, there is just no discernible trail of breadcrumbs that we can follow. As you know here on the podcast, that's kind of what I do to get my intel and my information about this team, just stack up the previous moves and make assumptions based off that. Well, this team was in on Trey Flowers and Jadevian Clowney, whereas the Patriots don't go after high-end defensive ends. They let them walk. They have cut the pure pass rushers, whether it was Nate Orchard, Dwayne Hendricks, or you go back to J. Ron Elliott back before camp even started, and... All of those moves just tell me that we really don't know what they expect at the position, although Jonathan Ledbetter being here does tell me they do want guys in that makeup of that mold and that prototype, so that's the idea, I suppose. The new player, the linebacker, James Crawford, he comes over from the Packers. He was waived after training camp. He went to St. Thomas Aguinas High School in Fort Lauderdale, so the local kid comes home, and he was with Patrick Graham last year. That goes a long way, I'm sure. And yesterday here on the podcast, I did not get to the long snapper news, but the Dolphins have added Tabor Pepper, whatever the hell a Tabor Pepper is, in place of John Denny. And let's go ahead and pour one out for John Denny, the longest tenured Miami Dolphin. Started 220-something consecutive games. He's now gone, so pour one out for Mr. Denny. What a hell of a career he had. And lastly, the practice squad is now complete. Cornell Armstrong, Jalen Davis, and Trey Watson all caught on elsewhere, but the Dolphins practice squad goes Isaiah Ford, Jake Rudock, Chris Myrick, Derval Neto, Zach Stirrup, Gerald Willis, a newcomer, 
Terrell Hanks, Christian Sam, Nick Needham, and Montre Hardage. My bet is that Willis, Hanks, and Hardage play a lot of snaps this year with in-season call-ups. And one last note here before we get to my guest. It sounds like the play is to start Julianne Davenport at left tackle when he's ready. But if he's not ready, then it's going to be Jesse Davis who admitted that changing sides on the offensive line is like learning how to write with your other hand, a different perspective than Josh Sitton telling us it's like learning how to wipe your ass with your other hand. So either way, sounds difficult. With Isaiah Prince as the right tackle, who is nowhere near ready for primetime right now. Either way, whatever it's going to be, hope Ryan Fitzpatrick has a good medical plan because he is going to need it. All right, let's go ahead and get my guest on. He is the host of the Locked On Ravens podcast. He is Kevin Ostriker. Kevin, thanks for joining me today, man. We've got football happening in five days. We're finally back. Football is here. Thanks for having me, Travis. This is really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. This is your first crossover podcast, a new host of the Locked On Ravens podcast. So check him out across the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's go ahead and start here before we take our first ad break, Kevin. It's all about the quarterback. Hell, the Dolphins know that right now. They're pining for next year's draft class already before opening day even happens. So what can you tell us about Lamar Jackson in year two? Because I feel like I'm kind of in the minority here among like a quote-unquote national pundit that thinks that this kid is a hell of a player and not just from a running aspect. We saw their run game get shut down in the playoffs, but when Lamar had to put it up late in that game, they started scoring some points. So what should we expect in year two and where it all starts this season on Sunday in Miami? A lot of improvement. Lamar Jackson is a guy who I really loved coming out of the draft and was ecstatic when the Ravens got him. The problem with Lamar, though, according to all the pundits, was with his throwing. He's a hell of an athlete on the ground. He's able to put the ball down and make moves that I didn't even know were possible. And in his first year, he showed that he didn't have the best year throwing, but a year that people didn't expect. He ended up going 6-1 and one as a starter, leading the Ravens to the AFC North Championship in a playoff berth against the San Diego Chargers. He ended up finishing that year with 1,201 yards, six touchdowns, and three interceptions after taking over for the injured Joe Flacco. But what people don't know about this kid is that his throwing isn't as bad as it seems. He had a 58.2 completion percentage, which actually ranked second among all rookie quarterbacks last year, coming in just behind Baker Mayfield. And with the year that Mayfield had, that's to nobody's surprise. But what he can do on the ground, he had a play in the Week 17 game against the Cleveland Browns where he just made a player whiff on air. It was the most insane thing I had seen in a few years, especially because of the mediocrity the Ravens team has had. But in year two, and starting with Miami, Lamar Jackson has really put an emphasis on improving his accuracy. He wasn't able to make a lot of smart decisions last year just because of the pace of the league. He had a few plays where he was throwing interceptions to players who were really right in front of him. He also also has put an emphasis on not taking hits. We've seen with Michael Vick, Cam Newton, these running quarterbacks that they put their bodies in the line, which is a great thing for getting a few extra yards here and there, but it's also a great thing for taking a few years off of a career. Yeah, so no being able to get out of bounds, to take the one-yard loss instead of a one-yard gain where it's going to maybe give you a concussion, Lamar's really put an emphasis on that. But he's also improved his footwork. He's improved his accuracy. And all the talk in Baltimore is about this kid. So I'm looking forward to see what Lamar can do, especially because with his athletic ability on the ground and an improved touch on his deep balls, I think that it's going to be Interesting to see because he has a very strong arm and a lot of people don't know that in college and throughout the combine he was asked by a few teams to get changed to wide receiver which I thought was extremely disrespectful. 
But overall, I think that he's going to have a great year two, a much improved year two, and I wouldn't write the Ravens out of any playoff competition right now. He's probably going to have about 100 Lamar Jackson jerseys in that stadium because he is a local Miami kid. And one of the reasons initially, Kevin, that I actually predict the Dolphins to pull the upset in this game was because I thought the Dolphins' new defensive scheme would have answers for Lamar Jackson, but and not to mention the fact of the heat and the humidity, but... The Dolphins kind of lost that because this defense is almost brand new because they took out about five or six players off this defense and brought new guys in. So the confusion could be there. It could be a lack of conditioning for the Dolphins themselves. We're going to talk about all of that and more with Kevin here about the rest of the Ravens roster. But first, are you guys having a long day at work? possibly like the long season the Dolphins are about to have, still stuck at the office, open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat and your food will be delivered right to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's DoorDash promo code LOCKEDON. And also, it's time to celebrate because football is finally back and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total cash prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before, it's simple. You just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code LOCKEDON will receive a free shot at $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar play day. Get in on the season opener action. Download the DraftKings app now and use code LOCKEDON for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to 500 bucks, and new users don't miss the extra special week one bonus. Enter code Locked On to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code Locked On only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Returning back into segment number two here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I've got Kevin Oshriker, the host of the Locked On Ravens podcast, not the star character from the American Pie movies. We're talking Dolphins and Ravens for week one here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I just got myself my DirecTV Sunday ticket package renewed after about a two-hour battle on the phone with those guys. They're putting up a fight this year, but call in and get your Sunday ticket price reduced. I just did it. You can too. That's not even an advertisement there, Kevin. We're talking about football. It's on deck. And we left off on the other end discussing Lamar Jackson. And I want to stay on that side of the ball with the skill positions. The Ravens revamped that group in a way that I am actually encouraged by if you're talking about a Ravens fan perspective. Mark Ingram, Hollywood Brown. Where does Baltimore really present some problems in that group for this Dolphins defense? Well, the Ravens on offense seem to be zigging where everybody is zagging. The NFL has become an air it out league, throw the ball deep and score on 60 yard touchdowns. The Ravens, on the other hand, have moved towards more of an old school approach, running the football wherever they can. Lamar Jackson had 21 carries a game a few times last year. So they're really putting emphasis on that running game, both with their running backs and the quarterback. And part of that is signing a guy in Mark Ingram who 
is able to come in and take the load off of Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards was an undrafted rookie out of Rutgers last year who ended up coming in once Alex Collins got hurt and was placed on IR. And Gus the Bus, as us Ravens fans call him, was extremely impressive, rushing for over eight for over 800 yards, and that was a role that really no Ravens fans expected for Edwards. I think that Ingram is a guy who complements this running game exceptionally well. He's a downhill runner, but can also bounce off of defenders. In the Ravens preseason game against the Green Bay Packers, Ingram was bouncing off a defender here, bouncing off a defender there, and picking up first downs with ease. And Ingram's a very fun-loving guy as well. The Ravens pride themselves on having a lot of culture in their locker room, and Ingram just brings that. They also had a player in Kenneth Dixon who fractured his knee, had a lot of knee issues, and since was released. But the guy who I'm really excited about is Justice Hill, the running back out of Oklahoma State who the team drafted in the fourth round. This guy is a bullet. He's fast, he is powerful, and he can do anything the Ravens want him to do. With three solid running backs in this offense, the Ravens have committed to their style of play. They don't care what the league is doing. They saw success last year with this going 6-1. and one. And people forget that Mark Ingram is a two-time Pro Bowler. So the Ravens brought in a veteran guy who can teach these young running backs about what it's like to be a player in the league. So I'm really excited about this running back room. And speaking of the wide receivers, the Ravens used their first-round pick this year on Marquise Hollywood Brown, another, another Broward County boy, actually. Lamar Jackson and him are very good friends. Lamar was very excited and posted on Instagram when the team drafted him. The Ravens are looking for a deep threat for Lamar Jackson. They've had a few busts in the past. Rashad Perriman is the most recent one that comes to mind. But Hollywood had an 18.3 yards per catch average at Oklahoma in his two years there. Ended up scoring 17 total touchdowns and having over 2,400 yards. This is a guy who fits this Ravens offense, can take the top off of a defense. When he's on the field, he is the fastest guy out there. He didn't run the 40-yard dash because of a foot injury that he suffered. But with Marquise Brown and a lot of big body guys, the Ravens drafted Miles Boykin in the third round out of Notre Dame. They have Willie Sneed, the former Saints slot receiver. Chris Moore, who's a guy who's come on for them as of late. So overall, I'm very excited and very happy about what the Ravens did in the offseason to really upgrade their skill positions. And just real quick, Kev, if you had to pick a spot on the offensive line where the Dolphins can have some success, where they can attack, where would that be? It would probably be at the left guard position. The Ravens have had a turnstile at that position for the entire offseason, actually dating back to the Los Angeles Chargers playoff game where they actually filtered in about three different players and each one of them got beaten badly. They traded Jermaine Illuminar to the New England Patriots for a fourth-round pick just a few weeks ago. And right now the depth chart has Bradley Bozeman, who hasn't really impressed this offseason as the starting left guard. They also have a few other younger guys who could maybe fill in and really step up for the team. But overall, if the Dolphins really want to attack a place, it's really that inexperience at the left guard position. He's Kevin Ostriker, the host of the Locked On Ravens podcast here on Crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's go ahead and flip things over to where the Ravens have traditionally been great on that defense and in that front seven. Now, Baltimore lost a lot of talent in that area. The legendary T. Sizzle, Zadarius Smith, C.J. Mosley, all gone. But Patrick Owasso and Matt Judon, in my opinion, are very underrated players. Plus, you've got Brandon Williams, who I think dominates the Dolphins as much as anybody every time these two teams play. How is Wink Martindale applying his new pieces to the scheme? Is it still going to be an outright blitz fest? The Ravens 
over the last year, especially with Eric Weddle's defensive mind, who they also lost. And Don Wink Martindale, in my opinion, is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, just based of just based on his football IQ. The Ravens are going to be sending a lot of blitzes this year. It's going to be very similar to last year, but you're right. With the losses of Terrell Suggs, C.J. Mosley, Eric Weddle, and Zedarius Smith, just to name a few of the big pieces that the team did lose, you're going to see a lot of different packages that are going to be simplified because the Ravens are a young team. Out of out of the 53 people on the roster, 22 of them are in their second year or are rookies. So, while they have veterans like Earl Thomas, who is the Ravens' big fish in free agency, who also has a very high football IQ, it's going to be interesting to see if the Ravens provide more blitz packages that are just straight up down the middle or if they're going to do twists and turns within their blitzes. So I think that overall the defense will look a little bit similar to what was last year, especially because they had that in place and it worked so well. But as the season rolls on, players get more familiar. I think Martindale will add another layer to this defense that will really haunt teams. And if the Dolphins have one strength on offense, I would see it's I would say that it's in their depth at receiver. And so the last question I have for you here is about that Baltimore secondary because there are pieces all over the Ravens secondary. You mentioned kind of a scaled back scheme, and that might be beneficial for someone like Josh Rosen because right now he's behind the eight ball in terms of the mental aspect of this offense and the scheme. So how do you expect them to kind of deploy this defensive backfield with Earl Thomas, like you mentioned, Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey, all these pieces they have? What's it going to look like on Sunday from that Ravens secondary? Well, you say the Dolphins depth is at the wide receiver position and the Ravens secondary it, and the Ravens depth is at their secondary the Ravens have three stud cornerbacks who could all theoretically be pro bowlers in Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, and Brandon Carr. Brandon Carr is a bit of, of a forgotten man, sure. but his veteran leadership has really paced the way for Marlon Humphrey and some of these younger guys to become studs. And the Ravens love their three cornerback rotation here because what they do is they have a set slot cornerback who the Ravens actually lost Tavon Young, who was considered one of the best slots in the league. He went down with a neck injury and he is done for the year. So that's a big blow to this defense. But what they do is Cyrus Jones will step in as that slot cornerback and they will put Humphrey and Jimmy Smith on the outside with Brandon Carr rotating in for either one of those players. And what this does is it makes sure that these players are well-rested so that late in the fourth quarter, when the score might be 21-17 to 17 Ravens and they need a defensive stop, these cornerbacks will have 40 snaps under their belt instead of 60. So that while the receivers are maybe huffing and puffing, Marlon Humphrey is on the other side ready to go. So that's just the cornerbacks in the secondary with the safeties. Earl Thomas was, as I mentioned, the big fish of the Ravens offseason. He replaces Eric Weddle, who the Ravens let go for salary purposes and declining play. Weddle was a loved player in the Baltimore organization and among Ravens fans. But Earl Thomas just brings that level of play that really can't be replicated. He's the best free safety in the league, according to a lot of players and a lot of pundits, a lot of coaches. So he's going to be all over the field, really taking Eric Weddle's spot in terms of the leader of that defense. The Ravens also want Patrick Owasso to be a leader here. But in the secondary, expect Earl Thomas to be up in the box a lot. They also have Anthony Levine, who is a converted safety. He ended up playing linebacker now 
And he's a guy who has a headset on as well. And overall, there's going to be a lot of movement from those safeties, a lot of people up in the box, and a lot of looks that will confuse these Dolphins quarterbacks. That was awfully generous of you to say a potential 21-17 to 17 score into the fourth <laughs> quarter. I think the Dolphins fans would take that in a heartbeat. So with that, I can't let you get out of here without a prediction. Imagine it's 4.30 in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. What just happened between the Ravens and Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium from where you sit? I think this Dolphins team is going to surprise some people, not to the point where they make the playoffs, unfortunately, but with the draft capital that this team has and the young players that it has, this Dolphins team is set up great for the future. In terms of the game in week one, I predicted that the game would be 40-17 to 17 Ravens yesterday, although I have changed my tune a bit. I do believe the Ravens will pull it out, but I think it'll end up being more along the lines of 28-14. to 14. I do think that this Dolphins team has exceptional strength in the secondary, and with the Ravens receivers not being as experienced and not having a lot of star power, I do believe that they'll be able to shut down Lamar Jackson's arm. However, on the ground, the Ravens are going to be pounding the ball all day, making the Dolphins defensive front seven very tired. So I believe that the Ravens will win this game on the ground. Either way, smells like Tua Tungavailoa to me. So perfect, Kevin. Thank you so much. He is the host of the Lockdown Ravens podcast. Kevin, tell the folks where else they can find you. I am on Twitter at Lockdown Ravens. That is the official channel. My last name is very hard to spell. But my official personal Twitter handle is K-O-E-S-T-R-E-I-C-H-E-R 34. Be sure to give me a follow on there. And Travis, thank you so much for having me on the show. There he is. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. So that's Kevin's prediction. I'm going to get to my predictions for the NFL in the final segment of this podcast. But first, if you think you're good at predicting outcomes of football games, then step up to the plate and put some greenbacks where your pie hole is. If you found 100 bucks on the street... Would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they were not the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you could bet on games after the kickoff? If by the second half, it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, then try a parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. It's that time of year again, the time where everybody agrees on all eight division winners on the conference title game participants and the eventual Super Bowl champion. Everybody in perfect harmony. We're going to get to the NFL predictions from yours truly here in just one second. But first, let's go game by game and predict this Dolphin schedule and amend our previous 5 and 11 prediction from before training camp. And actually, you know what? This would just go faster if I told you the games I have them winning. I have them beating Washington and the Jets, both at home. That's it. That's all. 2-14. and 14. And I guess that spoils my prediction for the game on tomorrow's podcast. But I don't think that Laramie Tunzel cost them more than a game. Maybe two. But the rest of this roster 
reshifting all the moves on defense and new guys that are going to play snaps that weren't here even just a week ago. I think they grossly messed up this progress early on on defense that I was expecting from this unit. And of those first four games, even with the good defensive performances, they're not exactly winnable from an outside perspective. I mean, the Dolphins are a touchdown dog at home against this Ravens team. So if you ask me, that's just enough time to get worn down, have a few injuries, and the wheels come off after that. So they're going to beat Washington. They're going to beat Adam Gase at home. And that is the rest. So Dolphins 2-14, and 14, as you guessed it, picking first in the NFL draft next year. It's all about Tua. Maybe it always was. I'm not really sure. But right now, that's where they're going. That's where they want to be. And if they can get Tua or the quarterback of their choice for only one draft pick, you have to consider this season kind of a win. Okay, let's go ahead and get to the moment you've all been waiting for, or maybe none of you are waiting for, my 2019 NFL predictions. And I'll admit right now, I kind of flew through this, didn't put a lot of time into it, but just going off of what I know about these teams and their offseason moves and their coaching staffs and the quarterback play, all of that fun stuff. And with that, let's go ahead and get into my 2019 NFL predictions. And we start in the NFC East where the Philadelphia Eagles take it home at 11-5. The Cowboys finish second at 11-5, but do not win the division. The Giants, 5-11. Washington, 3-13. In the North, we've got the Vikings, 12-4. The Packers, 11-5 into the playoffs as well. The Bears go 10-6 and, and do not qualify. The Lions go 4-12 and, and fire Matt Patricia. And the Dolphins do get some of their players. And as a result of that, next season in the South, the New Orleans Saints, 12-4 division champions again. The Falcons, 10-6, also missing out on the playoffs. The Carolina Panthers go 8-8. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go 4-12 and and out West. The Rams win the division again at 11-5. The Seahawks, another 10-6 team, do not get in to the postseason. The Cardinals at 6-10 finish third, while the 49ers fall apart. Jimmy G, I'm not buying it this year. They go 3-13 in the AFC. Starting in the East, the Patriots win the division again. Big shocker there. They go 12-4. The Buffalo Bills come second at 8-8. Eight eight. The New York Steeds go 5-11, finishing third. And your Miami Dolphins, 2-14, finish in the last place spot in the AFC East. Over in the North, the Browns winning it all, 12-4. The Steelers go 10-6 and, and get the sixth seed. The Ravens, 9-7. The Bengals, 5-11. In the South, Ryan Tannehill's Tennessee Titans go 9-7. And, and win that division, the Houston Texans, very important team for the Dolphins this year, finished 7-9. The Jaguars, 7-9. The Colts, 6-10. And, and out West, we're going to go with 13-3 for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. The Chargers, 11-5. The Broncos, 5-11. And, and the Rainers, 4-12. And, and that leaves us with Pittsburgh and the, and the Patriots in the playoffs. Patriots win that game. Chargers over the Titans in the wild card round with the Packers over the Rams in the NFC and the Eagles over the Cowboys in the divisional round. The Browns upset the Patriots and take back their control of Bill Belichick and it all comes full circle. They go to the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs will face them there as they beat the Chargers in the divisional round. The Saints beat the Packers in the divisional round and the Eagles take down the Vikings in the NFC champ or NFC divisional round rather. Whereas in the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs get back the revenge from last year and take down the Browns. They'll play the Eagles in the 
Super Bowl who beat the Saints. And the Super Bowl champion for 2019 is the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, though he does not repeat as MVP of the league. That goes to Baker Mayfield. The Offensive Player of the Year is either Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. Gold jacket, green jacket, I don't care either way. My music just hit an ad break, so we're going to go ahead and cut that off. Defensive Player of the Year is going to be Miles Garrett. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Kyler Murray. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Josh Allen from the Jaguars. I have the Dolphins picking first overall and the Texans pick 13th, which means the Dolphins pick first and 13th. Those are my predictions. Tell me how much you hate it on Twitter. I'm sure you all disagree, and I'll have so much fun arguing with you guys on those predictions. And that will do it for today's episode. You guys all make sure to check out our main sponsor, Mac Weldon. Get yourself some socks and underwear and undershirts through Mac Weldon. We're going to come back on tomorrow's podcast. I'll get into the All-22 film and break down this Ravens team and preview the game for us here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But as for today's show, that is my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.